We'll read from Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. <coughs> and it says about the Lord Jesus, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them up in bundles to be burnt, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. We trust God will bless his word to us today. We're in Matthew 13, which is uh, a chapter which is full of parables. Uh, we call them the, the kingdom parables. And in fact, there are uh, eight parables in this chapter. 
about the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> now parables, as I haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, and so apologies if I'm repeating what has been said. And, uh, but parables are simple stories from everyday life that illustrate important spiritual truths. And the parables in Matthew 13, they explain the character and the extent and the consummation of the kingdom of heaven. And so far in Matthew, we've had one of those parables. Um, oops. So, the, the parable of the sower... We um, learned about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there are seven further parables in this chapter that in, of Matthew 13. It's the parable of the weeds, which we are looking at today, as well as the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And then there are four further parables, which we, we will look at. And next week, the pearl of great price, the hidden treasure, the fishing net, and then treasures new and old. Now, we haven't got time to to go into great depth uh, at looking at all aspects of, of these parables and, and what they mean. But it's important just to spend a little bit of time just to think about the kingdom of heaven. These parables are parables about the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that mean? What is the kingdom of heaven? Now, what we can say is this, that there is another term in Scripture used, the, the, the kingdom of God. And I think, really, these terms are interchangeable. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God all refer to the same thing and we are not to think of it so much in terms of geography or chronology <clears throat> we're not to think of the kingdom of heaven as a particular region or even so much uh, in, uh, in, in terms of time the kingdom of heaven refers to the sphere of God's reign the rule of God. And today we live in a time which is after the Lord was rejected. You know, the Lord came into this world, Lord Jesus came into this world, the, the world received him not. And they uh, crucified him. He was rejected. But he rose, and one day he will return. The Bible tells us. And we believe that. He will return to earth and he will establish a millennial, a, a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, which we refer to as the millennial kingdom. After which there will be a new heaven and a new earth, an eternal kingdom, if you like. God's eternal reign. Now the Jews, the people of God, the people of Israel that the Messiah came to and was off expected the Messiah to establish the kingdom immediately 
and to destroy all unbelievers and all rebels and um, and this was very much how they were thinking and even the, the disciples were thinking along these lines that the Messiah came to establish his kingdom and it would be immediate and all unbelievers would be expelled and destroyed and even after the Lord Jesus rose from the dead you may remember in in the book of Acts chapter 6 sorry chapter 1 verse 6 we read this question that the disciples asked the Lord Jesus they said to him Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel and they thought about an earthly reign of the Messiah but the Lord the Lord didn't restore the kingdom of Israel at that point and so we now live in this time after Christ had been rejected and before he will return and it's an era that is a, ta- a period of time which is covered by these parables in Matthew 13 and to an extent there, there is there is a, there's a mystery to it um, for, so we read that in, in verse sev- 17 in this chapter that the prophets of old longed to see and to hear what the disciples were seeing and hearing but they, they couldn't they didn't and they didn't understand exactly what was happening and we have this phrase in, in verse 12 that the Lord spoke about the, the, the secrets of sorry verse 11 he said to the disciples to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven the mysteries and so there was a degree of mystery about the kingdom of heaven and that is what the Lord Jesus is uh, explaining in these parables in Matthew 13 so they relate to the period of time that we are in now where God's reign where God rules and God reigns in the hearts and lives of people his people on earth although it's not a visible kingdom now the first parable the parable of the sower and the soils in that parable the Lord taught that there will be some who believe the message and who accept um, the Lord as their Lord and Saviour and their lives are transformed and, and they bear fruit but most of them most of them uh, did not accept and, and you may remember that of the four soils in the parable of the sower there were three soils that bore no lasting fruit <coughs> and it really illustrates that there will be people who reject the message of the gospel now the question I'm no doubt would have 
arisen in the people's mind. The Lord Jesus was speaking to the crowd here. The first four parables are spoken to a crowd of people. He's sitting on a boat and they're standing on the shore and he's speaking to them. The last four parables are spoken to the disciples in the house. The people would have thought, well, what will happen to those who reject the message of the gospel? What will happen to those who do not accept Will there be instant judgment? And most likely they were thinking along those lines. And so the next parable that the Lord um, uh, tells is is about judgment. It's about judgment. And and it's a parable about uh, wheat. That's how the disciples referred to this parable. In, in verses 24 to um, 30, the Lord Jesus explains the parable. Then later on, when he's in the house with the disciples, they come to him and ask him to explain what the parable means. And they refer to it as the parable of the weeds. Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field so we have the parable of the weeds it's explained then it's interpreted and then we need to apply it to our lives as well two of the eight parables in this chapter are interpreted by the Lord Jesus the parable of the soils or the sower and the parable of the weeds they're interpreted by the Lord Jesus the other six are not and so we use our own understanding to do that and so we have this parable of the weeds we're going to think about the the narrative the actual parable then we're going to think about the explanation then we're going to think about how it applies to us so there was a man who sowed good seed into his field a similar agricultural kind of a story as in the first parable a man sowed good seed into his field he was the owner of the field it was his field and it was good seed after he had sowed this good seed the enemy came he came at night the workers were sleeping not because they were lazy but because they had been working hard and they served a good night's nice rest. And so, while the workers were sleeping, the enemy came and the enemy sowed weeds um, among the wheat. For a non English speaker, it's quite difficult to get the pronunciation, not to mix wheat and weeds. Hopefully, I'll. Uh, uh, I'll be, you'll, you'll understand when I'm speaking uh, what I'm referring to <clears throat> and so the enemy came and the wheat grew up among the wheat and the, the wheat that they sowed was what we call darnel I'm not uh, a, a I'm a horticulturalist uh, by any stretch. But 
um, I read that the darnel that they sowed among the wheat, the wheat uh, looked looks very much like wheat. It is in fact indistinguishable and until it's mature uh, and, and sort of ripe um, and he, the, the, the darnel the weeds were sowed among the wheat it was, it was everywhere and so the workers they realize that there's uh, weeds growing in the field and they are shocked and they are horrified and they ask the owner and he tells them what has happened that the enemy had been there and sowing uh, weeds during the night and the workers they offer to gather the weeds now gather the weeds as soon as they realize what happened they offered to gather them but the owner said uh, no verse 29 lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them let them grow together until harvest and at harvest time I will tell the reapers gather the weeds first and burn them and then gather the wheat into my barn now that's the narrative that's the parable and then later on the disciples come to the Lord Jesus and they ask him in verse 36 explain to us the parables of the parable of the weeds of the field and so the Lord Jesus he, he interprets the narrative for them and he says that the field is the world the field is the world now it's good when um, you buy something and uh, it comes with instructions of how to use it and how to assemble it and we are often uh, sort of men perhaps in particular tend to kind of have a go at it before reading the instructions and we make a mess of it and I suppose we can do all sorts of things with the, these parables uh, using our own imaginations. But we don't need to because the Lord Jesus is explaining to us the parable. He's interpreting the parable for us. And I think it's clear. And he says that the field is the world. It's not the church. It's the world. And... Um, the man who sows the good seed is the son of man the son of man is a term which is used um, nearly exclusively of the Lord Jesus himself so it's the Lord himself who sows the seed into the field which is the world and the good seed what is the good seed the good seed verse 38 is the sons of the kingdom the sons of the kingdom so the seed in this second parable is not the same as the seed in the first parable and that's interesting for a number of reasons but the, the seed in the first parable was the word of God which was ac either accepted or rejected but the seed in the second parable is different it's the sons of the kingdom in other words it's those who 
are followers of Christ. Those who have believed on him and who have accepted him as their Lord and their Savior in their lives. They are like seed that have been scattered in the field which is the world. And <clears throat> the weeds are the sons of the evil one, verse 38. And the, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And so it's interesting, we notice that as far as God sees the world, there are two kinds of people. There are those who are the sons of the kingdom, and there are those who are the sons of the evil one. There is no middle ground, there is no neutral ground here when it comes to how God sees the world. And that's interesting, and that's um, instructive for us. And it reminds us that when it comes to us and God, we are either for God or we are against God. We are either children of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, or we are uh, children of the devil. Sons of wrath. Children of wrath is how Ephesians chapter 2 speaks of the world. Now, bearing in mind how the disciples would have thought about those who rejected the message of the, the Messiah and his message, they would have thought that those should have been destroyed immediately and the Lord set up his kingdom. But what the Lord is saying in this parable is that the wheat i.e. the sons of God, the sons of the kingdom, and the weeds, the children of the devil, are to grow together. They are to grow together. Until harvest time. Until harvest time. And the Lord says, the harvest is the end of the age. The harvest is the end of the age. So there's coming a time which is an end point as far as uh, us is concerned and our relation with God. There is coming a point in time where God will judge the world. Because harvest here is illustrating is a picture of judgment and God will judge the world people often ask why does God allow evil today and in the world and the answer is that God is gracious and kind and allowing us to to do uh, the human race to do terrible things, but there is coming a point when God will judge the world, and there was a time when the weeds were to be gathered and burned with fire, and the wheat gathered into the barn. And the Lord Jesus says in verse forty, "So will it be." at the end 
of the age. So will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all costs of evil and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this parable very clearly speaks about judgment. It speaks about coming judgment when the son of man will gather the weeds as it were and they will be burned and it says there that that in that place the Lord says in verse 42 there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth that's the interpretation thought about narrative, the interpretation what about the application to us today the application for us today many here we are sons of the kingdom and it's interesting to note that God has sown us into this world he has placed us here we are not of the world but we are in the world and we are in the world not to be to judge but we are in the world to be witnesses God has placed us here and it's good to think like that and we have responsibility and we can say a lot about that but we haven't got time for that But if you're not a follower of Christ, if you haven't believed, then there's coming a time, this parable teaches us, when God will judge the world. He will judge the world. When you will stand before him as your judge, and you will be held accountable for every word and every deed and every thought of yours says in the parable in the explanation the Lord gave he says they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers the Bible tells us that we are all lawbreakers that we have all sinned and we all therefore deserve the judgment of God and God cannot let the guilty go free his righteousness will not will not allow him to do that and so there will be judgment it's interesting to note and it's not a pleasant thing to speak about but it is interesting to note that the Lord Jesus spoke about judgment when he said, and, and, and the words in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth is the words of the Lord Jesus himself it's not pleasant and we shudder to think about it but these are the words of Christ this is serious there's nothing remotely pleasant 
about eternal judgment and separation from God. Some people glibly say, Oh, I'll rather be in hell with my friends than sing hymns in heaven. The Lord said, In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Painful regret for all eternity. In Second Thessalonians, in chapter 1, Paul speaks about this as well. He says this, The Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in the future with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among those who have believed. He will inflict vengeance on all who have not obeyed the gospel. This is serious. And I want to say this to you dear friend. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And so this parable is about judgment. Now my PowerPoint is stuck again so we'll forget about it. I'll move to the next slide but it doesn't matter. The next two parables is the two parables. The parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. And these are short parables, and we'll not spend much on them. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds of the air come and make nests in their branches. We move from the field into the garden and the mustard seed is a tiny little seed and it's planted and it grows to become a tree it's not the biggest of trees it's maybe it maybe grows to about 10 to 12 feet the the mustard the the mustard plant what is the the point that the lord is making here we go there it is. That's the that's the seed there, sort of. Although we wouldn't see it really, uh, because it would be way too small for that. But we see the 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 the, the proportions. I suggest we get a, a picture of it. Now, what's the Lord saying here in this parable? This tree grew from a tiny little seed and it became so big that the birds of the air made their nests in the branch. What's the point? What's the idea? The point is this. Don't despise the small beginnings of the kingdom of heaven. Don't despise the small beginnings. I think this is a parable which is positive. 
You know, I don't. There, I've I've read a few commentaries uh, about the leaven and the mustard seed, and it's quite a negative interpretation. And it's bad that the birds uh, nest in the trees because the birds in the first parable they are a picture of the devil who snatched the word of God away. But I, I as we saw, the the images in each parable don't have to be forced and mean the same in every parable and I don't think it's a bad thing really this parable illustrates that how the kingdom of heaven grew out of all proportion small tiny beginnings we sang about the birth in Bethlehem in sorrow and shame it was a tiny little insignificant event to most people and the Lord came from Nazareth can anything good come out of Nazareth and there were 12 ordinary men fishermen and tax collectors it was an insignificant small beginning but look what has happened look how the church has grown in these 2000 years we tend to be so fixated on our own locality and where we live. And when you look at Christianity on a worldwide scale, it hasn't really grown in the Western world for a number of decades. But it has completely mushroomed when you look at it worldwide. There are over 100 million evangelical Christians in China. In May we heard a report about the church in Iran. Well, Malcolm Steer gave us it for those who were there. And how there are people in, in hundreds and thousands who are turning to Christ. Who are saved. Whose lives are transformed. It all started with a tiny little mustard seed. But look what has happened the Lord said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so extensive growth from tiny beginnings is the point of the parable of the mustard seed finally quickly we move from the field into the garden we now move from the garden into the kitchen and there is a woman and she put leaven she hid leaven in three meshes of flour. Three meshes of flour is, is a large quantity, about 40 litres. So she put a small lump of yeast into a big uh, quantity of flour until it had all leavened. It had all leaven. That little lump of leaven leavened the whole dough enough dough to cater for about a hundred people this leaven this dough would and, and it's, it's a it's a similar idea as the parable of the the mustard seed but it's not so much about growth the, must, the parable of the mustard seed was about growth. The parable of the leaven is about transformation. 
the the leaven didn't grow as such, but it tra- it transformed the dough. It permeated quietly, without any noise, any palava. The leaven just permeated through the whole dough and leavened the whole dough until it was all leavened. And it speaks about the transformational power of the kingdom of God. How it transforms lives without a fanfare, without a massive uh, campaign. The gospel has transformed lives and is transforming lives and societies you know the gospel and Christianity has transformed civilization and countries but but this is not so much about changing culture here it's about changing people on the inside and that's what the gospel does change comes from the inside when people understand the gospel they believe in the gospel and they follow Christ and their lives are changed and they have a permeating transformational influence and that's what Levin speaks about in the Bible it speaks of influence often negative influence but not always negative influence and so we see about we read about Levin in Leviticus chapter 7 being used in in the peace offering for example it's not a negative thing exclusively so I believe that the Levin here is a positive thing and it speaks about the transformational power of the kingdom of heaven so what are we to do about it this is what the Lord Jesus says at the end the last verse we read he who has ears let him hear now you have ears and you have heard what are you going to do about it that is the question for all of us here today are you going to take this seriously about the message of coming judgment and are you going to turn to Christ for salvation and for refuge and be part of those who are sown into the world to extend the kingdom of God and to transform other people's lives may God bless this word shall we pray Father we thank you for your word and we thank you for the teachings of the Lord Jesus and we pray that you will help us all to apply it to our lives and to our own situation and we thank you now for our time together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen Amen